26, for which there seem to have been a number of names Lothat, Hosili, Sicking, Had, Wittel, to these we may add the Hefate, Belt Jirdal, Stockings Huza, Shuska, Jeski, Rifling and Gloves Cloth, the cruising was a fur coat, while the surcourse mock seems to have been an undergarment and probably sleeveless, the whole attire was of national origin and had probably been in use long before the invasion of Britain, in the great bog deposit at Thorsbjerg in Angel, which dates from about the 4th century, there were found a coat with long sleeves, in a fair state of preservation, a pair of long trousers with remains of socks attached, several shoes and portions of square cloaks, one of which had obviously been deep green, the dress of the upper classes must have been of a somewhat gorgeous character, especially when account is taken of the brooches and other ornaments which they wore, it is worth noting that according to Jordan's the Swedes in the 6th century were splendidly dressed, 10. Trade, the few notices of the subject which occur in the early laws seem to refer primarily to cattle dealing, but there can be no doubt that a considerable import and export trade with the continent had sprung up quite early, in Bede's time, if not before. London was resorted to by many merchants both by land and by sea. At first the chief export trade was B.04P.0593 probably in slaves. English slaves were to be obtained in Rome even before the end of the 6th century, as appears from the well-known story of Gregory the Great. Since the standard price of slaves on the continent was in general three or four times as great as it was in England, the trade must have been very profitable. After the adoption of Christianity it was gradually prohibited by the laws. The nature of the imports during the heathen period may be learned chiefly from the graves, which contain many brooches and other ornaments of continental origin, and also a certain number of silver, bronze and glass vessels. With the introduction of Christianity the ecclesiastical connection between England and the continent without doubt brought about a large increase in the imports of secular as well as religious objects and the frequency of pilgrimage by persons of high rank must have had the same effect. The use of silk solid can the adoption of the Mancus see below point to communication, direct or indirect, with more distant countries. In the 8th century we hear frequently of tolls on merchant ships at various ports, especially London. 11. Coinage. The earliest coins which can be identified with certainty are some silver pieces which bear in runic letters the name of the Mercian King Ebiord 675-704. There are others, however, of the same type and standard about 21 grains which may be attributed with probability to his father Pendidi 655, but it is clear from the laws of Edelbert that a regular silver coinage was in use at least half a century before this time and it is not unlikely that many unidentified coins may go back to the 6th century. These are fairly numerous, and are either without inscriptions or, if they do bear letters at all, they seem to be mere corruptions of Roman legends. Their designs are derived from Roman or Frankish coins, especially the former, and their weight varies from about 10 to 21 grains, though the very light coins are rare, anonymous gold coins, resembling Frankish trientes in type and standard 21 grains are also fairly common, though they must have passed out of use very early, as the laws give no hint of their existence. Larger gold coins solidi are very rare. In the early laws the money actually in use appears to have been entirely silver. In office time a new gold coin, the Mancus, resembling in standard the Roman solidus about 70 grains, was introduced from Mohammedan countries. The oldest extant specimen bears a faithfully copied Arabic inscription. In the same reign the silver coins underwent a considerable change in type, being made larger and thinner, 
while from this time onwards they always bore the name of the king or queen or archbishop for whom they were issued. The design and execution also became remarkably good. Their weight was at first unaffected, but probably towards the close of Offa's reign it was raised to about 23 grains, at which standard it seems to have remained, nominally at least, until the time of Alfred. It is to be observed that with the exception of Burgard's coins and a few anonymous pieces the silver was never adulterated. No bronze coins were current except in Northumbria, where they were extremely common in the 9th century. Originally shilling, shilling, and seat seem to have been the terms for gold and silver coins respectively. By the time of an, however, pending, pen and in, penny, had already come into use for the latter, while, owing to the temporary disappearance of a gold coinage, Silling had come to denote a mere unit of account. It was, however, a variable unit, for the Cumnus shilling contained twenty cedas pence, while the Mercian contained only four. The West Saxon shilling seems originally to have been identical with the Mercian, but later it contained five pence. Large payments were generally made by weight, two four zero two five zero pence being reckoned to the pound. Perhaps from the seventh century onwards, the Mancus was equated with thirty pence probably from the time of its introduction. This means that the value of gold relatively to silver was 10 colon 1 from the end of Offa's reign. There is reason, however, for thinking that in earlier times it was as low as 6 colon 1, or even 5 colon 1. In Northumbria a totally different monetary system prevailed, the unit being the trims, which contained 3 cedas or pence. As to the value of the bronze coins we are without information. The purchasing power of money was very great. The sheep was valued at a shilling in both Wessex and Mercia, from early times till the 11th century. One pound was the normal price of a slave and half a pound that of a horse. The price of a pig was twice, and that of an ox six times as great as that of a sheep. Regarding the prices of commodities other than livestock we have little definite information, though an approximate estimate may be made of the value of worms. It is worth noticing that we often hear of payments in gold and silver vessels in place of money. In the former case the Mancus was the usual unit of calculation. 12. Ornaments. Of these the most interesting are the brooches which were worn by both sexes and of which large numbers have been found in heathen cemeteries. They may be classed under eight leading types, one circular or ring-shaped, two cruciform, three square-headed, four radiated, five S-shaped, six bird-shaped, seven disc-shaped, eight capelliform or saucer-shaped. Of these nose, five and six appear to be of continental origin, and this is probably the case also with number four and in part with number seven, but the last mentioned type varies greatly, from rude and almost plain discs of bronze to magnificent gold specimens studded with gems, number eight is believed to be peculiar to England, and occurs chiefly in the southern midlands, specimens being usually found in pairs, the interiors are gilt, often furnished with detachable plates and sometimes set with brilliance, the remaining types were probably brought over by the Anglo-Saxons at the time of the invasion. Nose, 1 and 3 are widespread outside England, but number 2, though common in Scandinavian countries, is hardly to be met with south of the Elbe. It is worth noting that a number of specimens were found in the cremation cemetery at Borgstetterfeld near Rendsburg. In England it occurs chiefly in the more northern counties. Nose, 2 and 3 vary greatly in size, from 21 to 27 inches or more. The smaller specimens are quite plain, but the larger ones are gilt and generally of a highly ornamental character. In later times we hear of brooches worth as much as six mancuses, i.e. equivalent to six oxen. Among other ornaments we may mention hairpins, 
rings and earrings, and especially buckles which are often of elaborate workmanship. Bracelets and necklets are not very common, a fact which is rather surprising, as in early times, before the issuing of a coinage, these articles beas took the place of money to a large extent. The glass vessels are finely made and of somewhat striking appearance, though they closely resemble contemporary continental types. Since the art of glass working was unknown, according to Bede, until nearly the end of the 7th century, it is probable that these were all of continental or Roman British origin. 13. Amusements. It is clear from the frequent references to dogs and hawks in the charters that hunting and falconry were keenly pursued by the kings and their retinues. Games, whether indoor or outdoor, are much less frequently mentioned, but there is no doubt that the use of dice to was widespread. At court much time was given to poetic recitation, often accompanied by music, and accomplished poets received liberal rewards. The chief musical instrument was the harp herpy, which is often mentioned. Less frequently we hear of the flute pipe and later also of the fiddle fiddly, trumpet's horn, swiegelhorn, mime appear to have been used chiefly as signals. 14. Writing. The runic alphabet seems to have been the only form of writing known to the Anglo-Saxons before the invasion of Britain, and indeed until the adoption of Christianity, in its earliest form, as it appears in inscriptions on various articles found in Schleswig and in Scandinavian countries, it consisted of 24 letters all of which occur in ABC Daria in England, in actual use. However, two letters soon became obsolete, but a number of others were added from time to time, some of which are found also on the continent, while others are peculiar to certain parts of England. Originally the runic alphabet seems to have been used for writing on wooden boards, though none of these have survived. The inscriptions which have come down to us are engraved partly on memorial stones, V.04P.0594 which are not in common in the north of England, and partly on various metal objects, ranging from swords to brooches. The adoption of Christianity brought about the introduction of the Roman alphabet, but the older form of writing did not immediately pass out of use, for almost all the inscriptions which we possess date from the 7th or following centuries. Coins with runic legends were issued at least until the middle of the 8th century and some of the memorial stones date probably even from the 9th. The most important of the latter are the column at Piwa Castle, Cumberland, believed to commemorate Alfred, the son of Oswo, who died about 670, and the cross at Rootwell, Dumfriesshire, which is probably about a century later. The Roman alphabet was very soon applied to the purpose of writing the native language, e.g. in the publication of the laws of Edelbert, yet the type of character in which even the earliest surviving emesis are written is believed to be of Celtic origin. Most probably it was introduced by the Irish missionaries who evangelized the north of England, though Welsh influence is scarcely impossible. Eventually this alphabet was enlarged probably before the end of the 7th century by the inclusion of Turonic letters for th and 15. Marriage. This is perhaps the subject on which our information is most inadequate. It is evident that the relationships which prohibited marriage were different from those recognized by the church but the only fact which we know definitely is that it was customary, at least in count, for a man to marry his stepmother. In the Kamish laws marriage is represented as hardly more than a matter of purchase, but whether this was the case in the other kingdoms also the evidence at our disposal is insufficient to decide. We know, however, that in addition to the sum paid to the bride's guardian, it was customary for the bridegroom to make a present more gangyafu to the bride herself, which, in the case of queens, 
often consisted of a residence and considerable estates. Such persons also had retinues and fortified residences of their own. In the Kavish laws provision is made for widows to receive a proportionate share in their husband's property. 16. Funeral Rites Both inhumation and cremation were practiced in heathen times. The former seems to have prevailed everywhere, the latter, however, was much more common in the more northern counties than in the south. Though cases are fairly numerous throughout the valley of the Thames, in Beowulf cremation is represented as the prevailing custom. There is no evidence that it was still practiced when the Roman and Celtic missionaries arrived, but it is worth noting that according to the tradition given in the Anglo-Saxon chronicle, Oxfordshire, where the custom seems to have been fairly common, was not conquered before the latter part of the 6th century. The burnt remains were generally, if not always, enclosed in urns and then buried. The urns themselves are of clay, somewhat badly baked, and bear geometrical patterns applied with a punch. They vary considerably in size from 4 to 12 inches or more in diameter and closely resemble those found in northern Germany. In Humathion graves are sometimes richly furnished. The skeleton is laid out at full length, generally with the head towards the west or north, a spear at one side and a sword and shield obliquely across the middle. Valuable brooches and other ornaments are often found. In many other cases, however, the grave contained nothing except a small knife and a simple brooch or a few beads. Usually both classes of graves lie below the natural surface of the ground without any perceptible trace of a barrow. 17. Religion. Here again the information at our disposal is very limited. There can be little doubt that the heathen Angli worshipped certain gods, among them Titig, Woden, Funer and a goddess Frug, from whom the names Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday are derived. T was probably the same god of whom early Roman writers speak under the name Mars Tyr while Funder was doubtless the thunder god Thor. From Woden QV most of the royal families traced their descent. Saxniad, the ancestor of the East Saxon dynasty, was also in all probability a god Essex, kingdom of, of anthropomorphic representations of the gods we have no clear evidence, though we do hear of shrines in sacred enclosures, at which sacrifices were offered. It is clear also that there were persons specially set apart for the priesthood who were not allowed to bear arms or to ride except on mares, notices of sacred trees and groves, springs, stones, and sea, are much more frequent than those referring to the gods, we hear also a good deal of witches and valkyries, and of charms and magic, as an instance we may cite the fact that certain runic letters were credited, as in the north, with the power of loosening bonds, it is probable also that the belief in the spirit world and in a future life was of a somewhat similar kind to what we find in Scandinavian religion. See Teutonic Peoples. SEC.6. The chief primary authorities are Gildas, Dexidio Britanniae, and Nennies. Historia Britannum Education San Marty. Berlin. 1844. Th. Monsen in Monday Hist. Oct. Antichus. Tom. Zi. Berlin. 1898. Bede. Hist. Eckel. Education C. Plummer. Oxford. 1896. The Saxon Chronicle Education C. Plummer. Oxford. 1890-1899. And the Anglo-Saxon Laws Education F. Lieberman. Halle. 1903. And Charters W. de G. Birch. Cardularium Saxonicum. London. 1885-1893. Modern Authorities. S.H. Turner. History of the Anglo-Saxons London. 1799-1805, 7th Education 1852, Sir F. Paul Grave.
Rise and Progress of the English Commonwealth London, 1831-1832, J. Ann Campbell, The Saxons in England London, 1849, Second Education 1876, K. Moore, Kritisky Weber Schau die Deutschen Gesetz geben Jurischtswissenschaft, Volumes, I.I.I.A., Munich, 1853-1855, J. Ann Lappenberg, Jeskitschte von England Hamburg, 1834, History of England under the Anglo-Saxon Kings London, 1845, Second Education 1881, J.R. Green, The Making of England London, 1881, T. Hodgkin, History of England from the Earliest Times to the Norman Conquest Volume I of the Political History of England London, 1906, F. C. Bunn, The English Village Community London, 1883, A. Mietzen, Zielung und und die Westgermanen, U.S. Germanen, N.C. Berlin, 1895, Sir F. Pollock and F. W. Mayland, History of English Law Cambridge, 1895, Second Education 1898, F. W. Mayland, Domes Book and Beyond Cambridge, 1897, F. C. Bunn, Tribal Custom in Anglo-Saxon Law London, 1903, P. Vinogradov, The Growth of the Manor London, 1905, H. M. Chadwick, Studies on Anglo-Saxon Institutions Cambridge, 1905, The Origin of the English Nation Id. 1907, M. Hain, Construction der Halle hier auf Potterborn. 1864, R. Henning, Dies Deutsche Haus U. Forschungen. 47 Strasbourg. 1882, M. Hain, Deutsche Hausaltertumer. I.I.I. Leipzig. 1900-1903, G. Baldwin Brown, The Arts in Early England London. 1903, C.F. Geary, Catalogue of Anglo-Saxon Coins in the British Museum, Volume I London, 1887, C. Roach Smith, Collectania Antiqua London, 1848-1868, R.C. Neville, Saxon Obsequies London, 1852, J.Y. Ackermont, Remains of Pagan Saxon Dom London, 1855, Baron J. de Bay, Industrie Anglo-Saxon Paris, 1889, The Industrial Arts of the Anglo-Saxons London, 1893, G. Stevens, The Old Northern Runic Monuments London and Copenhagen, 1866-1901, W. Vietter, Die Northumbrischen Rennensteine Marburg, 1895, reference must also be made to the articles on Anglo-Saxon antiquities in the Victoria County histories, and to various papers in Archaeologia, the Archaeological Journal, the Journal of the British Archaeological Society, the Proceedings of the Society of Antiquaries, the Associated Architectural Society's Reports, and other antiquarian journals, HMC, The Hydehead, Hewisk, Familia, Tributaries, Cassatus, Manans, and C, was in later times a measure of land, usually 120 acres, in early times, however, it seems to have meant one household, to normal amount of land appertaining to a household, the RIDA and NICUs son of the Roman Emperor Claudius by his third wife Messalina, was born probably A.D. 41. He was originally called Claudius Tiberius Germanicus, and received the name Britannicus from the Senate on account of the conquest made in Britain about the time of his birth, till 48, the date of his mother's execution. He was looked upon as the heir presumptive, but Agrippina, the new wife of Claudius, soon persuaded the feeble emperor to adopt Lucius Domitius, known later as Nero her son by a previous marriage, after the accession of Nero, Agrippina, by playing on his fears, 
induced him to poison Britannic was at a banquet A.D. 55. A golden statue of the young prince was set up by the Emperor Titus. Britannic was the subject of a tragedy by Racine. Tacitus. Annals. Z.I. 25. 41. Z.I. 1416. Suetonius. Nero. 33. Dirocus Iris 32. 34. Works quoted under Nero. British Central Africa. The general name given to the British protectorates in South Central Africa north of the Zambezi River but more particularly to a large territory lying between 8 degrees 25 s on Lake Tanganyika and 17 degrees 6 s on the River Shire, near its confluence with the Zambezi, and between 36 degrees 10 e district of Mlanje and 26 degrees 30 e River Luangwekafukwe. Originally the term, British Central Africa, was applied by Sir H. H. Johnston to all the territories under British V.04P.0595 influence north of the Zambezi which were formerly intended to be under one administration, but the course of events having prevented the connection of Baratsila and CBARODSE and the other, Rhodesian territories with the more direct British administration north of the Zambezi. The name of British Central Africa was confined officially in 1893 to the British Protectorate on the Shire and about Lake Nyasa. In 1907 the official title of the Protectorate was changed to that of Nyasa Land Protectorate, while the titles, Northeastern Rhodesia, and, Northwestern Rhodesia, Baratsi Land have been given to the two divisions of the British South Africa Company's territory north of the Zambezi, the western boundary, however, of the territory here described has been taken to be a line drawn from near the source of the Lualaba on the southern boundary of Belgian Congo to the western source of the Luanga River, and thence the course of the Luanga to its junction with the Luangwekafukwe, after which the main course of the Kafukwe delimits the territory down to the Zambezi. Thus, besides the Nyasaland Protectorate and northeastern Rhodesia, part of northwestern Rhodesia is included and for the whole of this region British Central Africa is the most convenient designation. Physical Features Within these limits we have a territory of about 250.000 square meters which includes two-thirds of Lake Nyasa, the south end of Lake Tanganyika, more than half Lake Mweru, and the whole of Lake Bonwilu, nearly the whole courses of the rivers Shire and Luanwa or Luanwa, the whole of the river Chambezi the most remote of the headwaters of the river Congo, the right or east bank of the Luapula or Upper Congo from its exit from Lake Bonwilu to its issue from the north end of Lake Mweru, also the River Luanga and the whole course of the Kafue or Kafukwe. Other lesser sheets of water included within the limits of this territory are the Great Mweru Swamp, between Tanganyika and Mweru. Mwaru's Lake a small mountain turn possibly a crater lake lying between the Luanga and the Luapula, Lake Malambi on the Upper Shire, and the Salt Lake Kilwarongli styled Shirewa being the Bantua word Kilwa, which lies on the borders of the Portuguese province of Mocambique. The southern border of this territory is the north bank of the Zambezi from the confluence of the Kafukwe to that of the Luanwa at Zumbo, eastwards of Zumbo. British Central Africa is separated from the river Zambezi by the Portuguese possessions, nevertheless, considerably more than two-thirds of the country lies within the Zambezi Basin and is included within the subordinate basins of Lake Nyasa and of the rivers Luangwa and Luangwekafukwe. The remaining portions drain into the basins of the river Congo and of Lake Tanganyika, and also into the small lake or half-dried swamp called Kilwa, which at the present time has no outlet, though in past ages it probably emptied itself into the Lugenda River, and thence into the Indian Ocean. As regards orographical features, much of the country is high plateau. 
with an average altitude of 3,500 feet above sea level. Only a very minute portion of its area the country along the banks of the river Shire lies at anything like a low elevation, though the Luangwa Valley may not be more than about 900 feet above sea level. Lake Nyasa lies at an elevation of 1,700 feet above the sea, is about 350 meters long, with a breadth varying from 15 to 40 meters Lake Tanganyika is about 2,600 feet above sea level with a length of about 400 meters and an average breadth of nearly 40 meters Lake Mwiru and Lake Bonwiwilu are respectively 3,037 feet above sea level, Lake Kilwa is 1946 feet in altitude. The highest mountain found within the limits previously laid down is Mount Mlanje, in the extreme southeastern corner of the protectorate. This remarkable and picturesque mass is an isolated chunk of the Archean Plateau through which at a later date there has been a volcanic outburst of basalt. The summit and sides of this mass exhibit several craters. The highest peak of Melange reaches an altitude of 9683 feet, in German territory, near the north end of Lake Nyasa, and close to the British frontier, is Mount Runway, the altitude of which exceeds 10.000 feet. Other high mountains are Mounts Chaigon and Dadza, in Angonaland which reach an altitude of 7,000 feet and points on the Nika Plateau and in the Kondé Mountains to the northwest of Lake Nyasa, which probably exceed a height of 8,000 feet. There are also Mounts Zamba 6,900 feet and Kairanzulu 5,500 feet in the Shire Highlands. The principal plateaus or high ridges are one the Shire Highlands, a clump of mountainous country lying between the River Shire, the River Erwo, Lake Kilwa and the south end of Lake Nyasa, to Angonaland a stretch of elevated country to the west of Lake Nyasa and the northwest of the River Shire, 3 the Nika Plateau, which lies to the north of Angonaland, and 4 the Nyasa Tanganyika Plateau, between the basin of the River Luangwa, the vicinity of Tanganyika and the vicinity of Lake Mwiru highest point, 7,000-8,000 feet. Finally may be mentioned the tract of elevated country between Lake Bonwilu and the River Luapula and between Lake Bonwilu and the basin of the Luangwa, and also the Lukangamushinga or Yugwara Mountains of northwestern Rhodesia, which attain perhaps to altitudes of 6,000 feet. The whole of this part of Africa is practically without any stretch of desert country, being on the whole favored with an abundant rainfall. The nearest approach to a desert is the rather dry land to the east and northeast of Lake Mweru. Here, and in parts of the lower Shire district, the annual rainfall probably does not exceed an average of 35 inches elsewhere. In the vicinity of the highest mountains, the rainfall may attain an average of 75 inches in parts of Mount Melange possibly often reaching to 100 inches in the year. The average may be put at 50 inches per annum, which is also about the average rainfall of the Shire Highlands, that part of British Central Africa which at present attracts the greatest number of European settlers. Geology the whole formation is Archean and primary with a few modern plutonic outbursts, and chiefly consists of granite, felspar, quartz, gneiss, schists, amphibolite and other Archean rocks. With primary sandstones and limestones in the basin of Lake Nyasa a great rift depression, the River Shire, and the regions within the northern watershed of the Zambezi River. Sandstones of Karoo age occur in the basin of the Luangwa and Rhodesia. There are evidences of recent volcanic activity on the summit of the small Melange Plateau SE corner of the protectorate, here there are two extinct craters with a basaltic outflow, and at the north end of Lake Nyasa and the eastern edge of the Tanganyika Plateau, here there are many craters and much basalt, or even lava, also hot springs, metals and minerals, 
Gold has been found in the Shire Highlands, in the hills along the Nyasa-Zambezi water parting, and in the mountainous region west of Lake Nyasa, Silver Galena. Silver lead in the hills of the Nyasa-Zambezi water parting, lead in the same district, graphite in the western basin of Lake Nyasa, copper pyrites and pure ore in the West Nyasa region and in the hills of northwestern and northeastern Rhodesia, iron ore almost universally, mica almost universally, coal occurs in the north and west Nyasa districts especially in the Karoo sandstones of the Rukuru Valley, and perhaps along the Zambezi-Nyasa water parting, limestone in the Shire Basin, malachite in southwest Angoniland and northwestern Rhodesia, and perhaps petroleum in places along the Nyasa-Zambezi water parting. See also Rhodesia. Flora. No part of the country comes within the forest region of West Africa. The whole of it may be said to lie within the savanna or park-like division of the continent. As a general rule, the landscape is of a pleasing and attractive character. Well covered with vegetation and fairly well watered, actual forests of lofty trees, forests of a West African type, are few in number, and are chiefly limited to portions of the Nika, Angoniland and Shire Highlands plateaus, and to a few nooks and valleys near the south end of Tanganyika. Patches of forest of tropical luxuriance may still be seen on the slopes of Mount Mlanje and Kairanzulu. On the upper plateaus of Mount Mlanje there are forests of a remarkable conifer withering Tomia white a, a relation of the cypress, which in appearance resembles much more the cedar, and is therefore wrongly styled the Mlanje cedar. This tree is remarkable as being the most northern form of a group of yew-like conifers confined otherwise to South Africa Cape Colony. Immense areas in the lower-lying plains are covered by long, coarse grass, sometimes reaching 10 feet in height. Most of the West African forest trees are represented in British Central Africa. A full list of the known flora has been compiled by Sir W. Deer and his assistants at Kew, and is given in the first and second editions of Sir H. H. Johnston's work on British Central Africa. Amongst the principal vegetable products of the country interesting for commercial purposes may be mentioned tobacco partly native varieties and partly introduced, coffee wild coffee is said to grow in some of the mountainous districts, but the actual coffee cultivated by the European settlers has been introduced from abroad, rubber derived chiefly from the various species of Landolphia, Ficus, Clitandra, Carpodemus and Conopharagia, and from other Apocynaceous plants, the Strophanthus bob furnishing a valuable drug, groundnuts arachis and boangia, the cotton plant, all African cultivated cereal sorghum, penistone, maize, rice, wheat cultivated chiefly by Europeans and Eleusinae, and six species of palms the oil palm on the northwest near Lake Nyasa, at the south end of Tanganyika and on the Luapula, the Borisus and Hyphen, Phoenix or Wild Date, Raffia and the Coconut Palm. The last named was introduced by Arabs and Europeans, and is found on Lake Nyasa and on the Lower Shire. Most of the European vegetables have been introduced, and thrive exceedingly well, especially the potato. The mango has also been introduced from India, and has taken to the Shire Highlands as to a second home. Oranges, lemons and limes have been planted by Europeans and Arabs in a few districts. European fruit trees do not ordinarily flourish. Though apples are grown to some extent at Blantyre, the vine hitherto has proved a failure. Pineapples give the best result V.04P.0596 among cultivated fruit, and strawberries do well in the higher districts. In the mountains the native wild brambles give blackberries of large size and excellent flavor. The vegetable product through which this protectorate first attracted trade was coffee, the export of which, however, 
has passed through very disheartening fluctuations. In 1905-1906, pounds of coffee value L16.123 were exported, but during this 12 months the crop of cotton quite a newly developed product rose to 776.621 pounds from 285.185 pounds in 1904-1905. An equally marked increase in tobacco and groundnut sirachis has taken place. Beeswax is a rising export. Fauna. The fauna is on the whole very rich. It has affinities in a few respects with the West African forest region, but differs slightly from the countries to the north and south by the absence of such animals as prefer drier climates. As for instance the oryx and lop, 